It's time for another episode of Rainmaker for Contractors. Interviews and success stories with million-dollar-plus basement waterproofing and foundation repair owners. Discover how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your industry. With your host and Rainmaker for Contractors owner, Bill Crawford. What's up, everyone? Welcome. And today I'm super excited to be talking about sales. So mid-January last month, Effectus Leadership, which is made up of John Bryant and myself, were asked to be the keynote speakers at the Basement Health Association annual conference in Las Vegas, which is in conjunction with the World of Concrete. We did something different there, and we talked about the top 10 ways to improve sales. I'm going to do a version of that here in this podcast. I'm going to have my own spin on it. I'm going to put a positive spin on each one, and there's going to be a few different ones. Before we do that, though, let me say some announcements. Last year, I finished writing a book. It was a major project of mine, and quite honestly, I've done a horrible job of promoting it, but it contains a lot of valuable information that I think can help grow your basement waterproofing and foundation repair company. If you're interested, you'll find it on Amazon. It is called Proven Strategies to Maximize Your Digital Leads for Basement Waterproofing and Foundation Repair Contractors. If you just went to Amazon and typed in Internet Marketing Basement Waterproofing, it should come right up. Wanted to let you know about that. I did give quite a few copies away when the Basement Health Association was in Atlantic City last year. So please take advantage of that. And if you enjoyed it or have already read it, please leave a review. Secondly, Infectious Leadership will be doing another sales training conference in Charlotte, North Carolina on April 19th and 20th. You can go to the infectiousleadership.com website to get more information. And lastly, most of you know I own Rainmaker for Contractors, which is a full-service digital marketing agency. As we enter into the in-season months, so to speak, we're getting quite a few inquiries. If you would benefit from a strategy session where I can point out some opportunities for you to gain traction on the internet, I can show you some of the work that we do, please go to the rainmakerforcontractors.com website. You could schedule a strategy session with me there and I'd be happy to uh, spend some time with you. All right, let us jump right into the top 10 ways you can improve your waterproofing sales. I have to start with mindset. It all starts with mindset. So that is number one. I love having the mindset of I'm either going to sell or I'm going to learn. Now, a great mindset really starts with purpose. And we have to remember what is our purpose. And our purpose is we help people create a healthy, usable environment for their family and we protect their valuables. I, I think to have a, a great mindset going into every lead, we have to be aware of what is going on inside of our head. Where are we at mentally? And we have to focus on our habits and routines, we have to focus on, on being prepared, being resilient, having fun, being sincere, following the path of our sales process, coming from help, 
and just, you know, overall enjoying what we do. People want to work with people that are successful, people that are happy, that are easy to get along with and believe in your purpose, enjoy what you do and go in and, you know, and do the best that you could do. And you're either going to sell or you're going to learn. I like this idea of before you ring that doorbell, try to live the idea of you just gave a speech to a whole bunch of people and they loved what you did. You had amazing content and they actually gave you a standing ovation and you feel great. You need to feel good about yourself because you're going to carry yourself differently when you go into that home. So mindset is absolutely critical. Always you got to check your mindset and you got to put some positive stuff in your, in your head. All right, the second item that I'm going to say is know what you're walking into. Part of that is going to be from the scheduling department, depending on how you're set up. I know some, some companies don't let their sales reps call the, the homeowners and some sales reps just book leads and they, they give the lead to the sales rep and the sales rep calls the homeowner. So there's quite a few different companies out there. But I would say do everything you can to try to know what you're walking into Reason why is sometimes when you go into a lead, there's these negative things that happen. And when those negative things happen, our mind gets triggered. And so the more you could be prepared for those negative things to happen, the better you're going to respond to them when it's live. And also on a positive aspect, try to identify things ahead of time that you might be able to connect with people socially. It's so important to connect with people early on in the presentation, not as you're walking out the door, because it's just going to change the entire dynamic of your conversation with them and the time that you're in their home. I'm going to unpack that one a little bit later, but this one, try to know as much as you can about the situation that you're going into, the people, their family, do they have kids, how long they've owned the home, all sorts of stuff. All right, item number three to improve your sales, always strive to do the questionnaire at the kitchen table in the beginning of the, pressure, uh, the presentation. So when you walk in that door, you want to get to the kitchen table. And I know there's a lot of uh, companies that they they book just you know one homeowner. Um, they, they don't run evening appointments and other companies, they only run appointments when, when both homeowners are there. So there's there's quite a mix there, but regardless of the situation, I really want to encourage you to get to the kitchen table. So why do I say that? Well, when you go to a doctor's office, what happens? They say, oh, great. Thanks for coming in. Can I have your insurance card? Can I have your driver's license? Here's a clipboard. Go sit down and fill this out. And you're signing forms and you're giving all sorts of information. And they're really dictating everything that's going to happen there. You're signing off on HIPAA. You're giving them your health history, even though they had it from last time. Has anything changed? And you basically want to do the same thing because you want to get that information from them as much as possible. And the more that they'll admit to what's going on downstairs when you're upstairs, it's actually going to make your inspection that much easier. And then you're able to set the agenda and let them know what you're going to do, that you're going to do a full inside and out inspection, and then you're going to come back to the table and explain what you found and what the various solutions are. So it really puts you in control of the, the entire uh, time that you're in the home. 
The other thing that I would add to that, I would try to keep track how many appointments, you know, that you run in a week or in a month, how many times are you getting to the kitchen table to do your questionnaire? It's a really good statistics that you want to keep track of. And if you're thinking like, oh, I do the questionnaire, I just go in the basement and I just kind of, you know, sprinkle those questions into the, into the inspection as I'm doing it. I don't fall for that. Don't accept it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing the questionnaire at the kitchen table. You got to figure out how to get to the kitchen table. All right, number four is get both homeowners at the appointment. And I'm going to mix this one in into the same one. Get both homeowners in the basement. Now, having talked to a lot of different companies, they'll always say, oh, we, we try to get both homeowners at the appointment. And fact of the matter is, there's a huge gap between some companies and others. So some people will say we try to get both homeowners at all appointments, but they're not even really set up to run appointments with both homeowners. Like they might just softly ask. And then there's other companies that they won't send an inspector out to the home unless they know for sure that both, both homeowners are going to be there at least 90% of the time. And at least all uh, when they had the conversation, they said that both homeowners were going to be there. So there's there's quite a large gap between the two extremes. And I want to encourage you to try to get both homeowners there for obvious reasons, right? Because you're not doing a two-step close, so to speak. You're not sending the rep back out there. And you're going to increase your chances of selling that lead when both homeowners are there. Now, why do you want to get both homeowners in the basement? I'm going to back up a little because I think there's some listeners that may not be getting a homeowner into the basement at all. You really need to get at least one homeowner into the basement, but you want to shoot for both homeowners. Why do you want to get both homeowners in the basement or even one? It's very similar. Everyone listening has purchased a car. When you buy a car, that sales rep wants to get you in the car and they want you to do a test drive. And nowadays they want you to take it home and use it for a day or two at no charge because they want you to experience it. They want you to use your senses. They want you to feel what it's like to drive that car and how, how often the stereo comes on and the cup holders and the feel of the steering wheel. That's what oftentimes sells cars. There's a feeling we get when we drive a car and when you do an inspection, homeowners don't really dig up all the damage that moisture or water can do in a basement really until that inspector is there because they're kind of waiting for that person to come. And now the inspector hopefully is going to do a really thorough job. And now they kind of have to admit to what's really going on inside their basement. And that's your time to uncover things with them so that you together with them can experience discovering new damage, asking them questions about all sorts of damage that has been found when you pull up the carpeting or when you scrape a screwdriver across painting uh, or peeling paint. Or when you point out or pick up, uh, uh, let's say, a paint can from the ground and there's a, there's a rust circle on the ground, which is an indication of moisture coming through the cement. So 
the, your inspection is going to be so much more powerful when you can get a homeowner or both homeowners in the basement so you can experience this stuff together. All right, number five is be thorough in the basement inspection or the foundation inspection. I would, you know, if you want it like a time gauge, which is just a, kind of a real minimal thing, at least 20 minutes in that inspection. You need to be super thorough. You need to be using all your tools. You need to inspect all four walls and the floor. You need to lift things, move things, look behind things, look under things. You want to look everywhere. You want to document your findings. Some companies take pictures. Some companies print out photos right in the home. Some companies use tablets to take pictures so that they could bring that upstairs. But you want to be as thorough as possible to find as much damage as possible. It, you know, bottom line is the more damage that you find, the more professional you're going to come across and the more you can justify a higher price because you're you're fixing more stuff. All right, number six, establish a connection as early as possible. When we were in Vegas, we said the new ABC always be closing is now always be disarming, ABD, which I like that. The social connection is really important. I still like ABC and I would change it to always be connecting. I remember when I was being trained in, in basement waterproofing, I got hooked up with the, uh, the top rep in the country in the first lead that we ran, the rep rings the bell and I'm supposed to be quiet and watch and the, uh, the homeowners opened the door and it was husband and wife and they said, come on in. And so the, the rep I was being trained by took about two steps in and he stopped. And at this stage, I'm kind of, my nose is almost on his back and I'm in the door frame. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, what is he doing? And he was just quiet and he stopped and the homeowners had taken two or three steps and then they stopped and then they turned around and they looked at the rep because they were wondering why he stopped. And he said, what school district is this? And they answered it was whatever it was, um, you know, Juliet Lowe grade school in the area. And he goes, oh, okay. Do you know Joni Mitchell? And funny, the singer. And she was actually a teacher. And they said, they looked at each other and they said, yeah, our son had her for homeroom yesterday, or last year. And he says, oh, okay, my wife knows her because uh, my wife is in the school district. And I was so impressed with how quickly he made a connection because within 30 seconds, he made a third-party connection and I saw the change on their, on their, uh, in their body behavior that it was like, okay, this person is in our social circle. They're not too far away. Um, let me contrast that to when I would train sales reps and I'd run leads with them, usually about, you know, the fourth or fifth lead. And I would watch them. I notice, you know, when you're newer and it's a new job and there's so much going on in your head. I noticed how long it took them to make a social connection because you could always see it in the nonverbal behavior of the homeowners. And usually it wasn't until about, you know, Sometimes it wasn't until about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes until the homeowners felt like, okay, I, I feel safe with this person and I'm going to warm up to them and they're actually helping me and so on. So the, the sooner you can make connections, the more it's going to change the entire 
presentation. Now, no one wants you to come home and or come to their home and have you try to be their best friend. Like they want their basement inspector, right? So it is it's just for kind of a goal and a habit or routine. It's always good to try to identify one thing that you can comment on sort of maybe before you start the questionnaire. Try to find some social ground. Try to be sincere. Try to be specific. Um, and that's where it's helpful to be able to connect with people. Now, obviously, some people can do that very naturally. It just comes to them. And other people, they need to be told to do this. But try to be aware. Are you trying to make a social connection very early on in the home? All right, number seven is set goals for yourself. You want to have a monthly goal every single month, and you want to have a closing percentage goal as well. And don't settle for the excuse of, well, I'm not really in control of how many leads that I run. Or, you know, if it rains a lot, I get more leads, so then I sell more. I wouldn't settle for that at all. And you never want to exercise that muscle memory of I'm not in control. You want to be in control of the things that you are in control of. And certainly you're in control of a closing percentage. So, you know, I'm not going to waste your time with like those, the SMART acronym, but it's important. Sometimes the basics really help us set a goal that's realistic and keep track of that. All good reps have goals and they know where they're at with their goal so it should be a volume goal and it should be a closing percentage goal. So those are two goals that you always want to have written down and you always want to track. And then something I would add to that is give yourself a reward. In the beginning of the month, say, if I hit my goal, I'm going to reward myself with X, right? Whatever that is, you know, make it reasonable. And then um, write a punishment goal. Um, some people write the goal of, you know, let's say they're conservative. And uh, they say, if I don't hit my goal, I'm going to have to donate money to the Hillary Clinton Foundation, something like that. That, that could be a motivation. Sometimes that negative goal is really the thing that drives you. All right. Number eight is continuously invest into yourself. Listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts, read books. It, take your profession seriously. And it is a profession and you're in sales. So read sales books and be motivated, put new information inside yourself. If you don't, you're just kind of bringing yesterday into these appointments and you're, you, you're shortchanging yourself to, to grow and to become better at what you do. And to motivate yourself on, gee, why should I invest myself? You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that you're the only you walking around interacting with all these people or with the same people every day. So invest in yourself, believe in yourself. And take in, take in new information. Try to become a better you. Number nine, I'm going to say is map out your sales process. Every sales rep who's, who has been on 10 leads, they have a sales process. And I bet you if you studied all 10 of those leads, there's going to be a pattern to what that person does. Why? Because we're creatures of habits. So we want to um, map out the sales process process regardless of what it is you know this maybe is something like a hi i'm bill i'm an alcoholic um and you might say i'm i'm joe and i have a crappy sales process but map it out map out what it is and then map, map out what you want it to be and what it should be and then figure out a way to do that sales presentation the way it ought to be 
All right. Last one is number 10, make it easy for people to buy. I know some people, they um, they do a few things. One is it's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It's like, I'm a nice guy, but at the end, I'm going to try to power up on you. And I'm going to try to you know pressure you into a sale. You don't want to do that. Um, and you don't want to get in the way of the buying process. You want to make it easy. You want to, um, when you put that initial price in there, we teach to, you know, stick it in the oven, let it bake for a while, let that sink in that higher price. Um, and then you're eventually going to want to get to payments. Um, so you, you want that lower price on the table. It's always easier to close on payments than it is on the, the higher price. And you want to figure out what the deposit is. What kind of deposit are they comfortable putting down? And then maybe you want to redo your payments because if they could put a decent deposit down, now your payments are going to go down. But try to keep it simple and keep it moving and offer your price and write it up and, you know, just keep it moving. And yes, you do need to ask for the order a few times. You have to figure out a way to come through a side door and repackage it and revisit it and, and assume that they're going to want to write it up today. You're not there to visit. You're there to fix their problem. You know, the best way to have a good, strong close is do a, a great presentation, do a great inspection. And then the natural thing to happen is to put that together at the end. All right, there it is. The top 10 ways to improve your waterproofing sales. I hope you got something out of this. If you like these podcasts, please subscribe. And we'll talk to you real soon. You've been listening to the Rainmaker for Contractors podcast, where basement waterproofing and foundation repair business owners and industry experts share marketing and sales information that helps you reach more customers. Please leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and get all of our show notes at rainmakerforcontractors.com slash podcast.